Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. My name is Kyle Senra, and I'm your host. Unfortunately, both of my co-hosts, Alessandro Senator and Dean Williams, couldn't be here. Uh, but that's all right, because we're actually going to start. This will be the first episode of a, a series we're doing here at Full Press Coverage try, as a way to try and get the whole Full Press Coverage family connected and what better way to start than with one of Full Press Coverage's brightest ed- editors and writers. So, ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm uh, Full Press Fantasy Podcast welcome to Ryan Adverterata. Hey, how's it going, Kyle? Thank you for having me today. Oh, not at all. Thank you for coming on. This is uh, it's great to start the series off well. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, like, football's back, you know, everyone's giving up for their uh, fantasy drafts, so time to get going. Excellent, excellent. And you are the uh, Full Press Coverage Cardinals Managing Editor, and uh, I know from reading your work, you follow the, uh, the Cardinals really closely and are really keyed into what's going on with that team. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, living here in Arizona, you know, it's, it's Cardinals football pretty much year-round now, so a lot to cover, a lot to kind of just keep an eye on. Excellent. I guess the big question that everyone has uh, is about Kyler Murray. Like and uh, you know he's a rookie. So what what should we expect from him this year? Honestly, just from seeing how he's he's basically performed in like OTA so far in training camp, uh, that one series that he had uh, earlier this week against the Chargers, he looks like he's the real deal. I'm very hesitant to ever really throw my wagon behind a rookie, just because you never know how they're gonna adjust, especially at a quarterback position. So, you know, first overall seems so far. I mean, he was six of seven, I think it was, in that uh, preseason game on Thursday. His only incompletion came when the receiver stepped out of bounds. Guy was basically perfect. You saw with his legs, you know, the ability to, to get out of the pocket when the pocket collapses. And trust me, it will collapse. Um, but he looks like the real deal. And quite honestly, I mean, you can kind of maybe pencil him in as at least the, the front runner really for rookie of the year and someone that you could see easily becoming, you know, the next big star of the NFL. And I feel like a lot of people fantasy wise are going to have him on their teams. I know uh, doing dynasty fantasy football, looking at rookie drafts this year in super flex formats where you could start two quarterbacks. He was a unanimous first overall pick in rookie drafts. Uh, and even in non in just one quarterback rookie drafts it seems like he was constantly going in the first round yeah i mean a lot of it comes down to the fact that you know we see quarterbacks that came into the league like a a cam newton who has very similar traits as far as the ability to like run around and and do stuff in the pocket except i like to think that kyler murray has like the accuracy of, of like a steve young possibility as far as you know a smaller guy who can move in the pocket but he's faster than michael vick so there's a lot of excitement with him. Honestly, because of the system that they're running here, he looks like he's been in the system for years. And in you know, in a way, he has, because it's very similar to what he ran in college. But he looks calm, he looks composed, and he makes quick decisions. So that's something, if you haven't yet had your drafts, I mean, if you have that type of a dynasty league, then yeah, obviously take it if you can. Uh, so let's get into the details about the system. So what does Kiff Kingsbury's uh, offensive system look like for, for this team this year? Yeah, so um, anyone that's kind of followed either Texas Tech just over the last decade or and a half, you know, they'll, they'll be familiar with kind of that air raid offense. Mike Leach was the head coach for a lot of time there. You know, he was the head coach when Cliff Kingsbury was his quarterback. You know, he had guys like Michael Crabtree playing there, 
you know, at least when he was in charge. Kingsbury runs pretty much a very similar offense and a lot of four wide receiver. Uh, they call it 10 personnel where you just have one running back. No, you know, no tight ends, no no fullbacks. So you got four receivers out there. It's kind of a wide open thing. You know, a lot of people who play Madden or used to play those NCAA games would love playing with these type of an offense, but it's wide open. The idea is to get the ball out quickly, you know, attack the middle. So you have some good receivers for that, especially on the Cardinals team right now. But when you have a quarterback like Kyler Murray, who can basically do anything, who can throw the ball wherever he wants to, that offense is poised to be very high scoring as long as the offensive line can kind of hold up for at least, you know, three or four seconds. Uh, I know with with Murray, part of the uh, appeal, I think, in fantasy football is the the rushing ability. I mean, unless you have scoring settings that elevate passing touchdowns and elevate completion percentage and number of completions a lot of times it's the quarterbacks that can run the ball and get rushing touchdowns that are going to be uh big league winners or at least weak winners in fantasy football so with this air raid offense and even though kyler murray's skill set does suggest he'll run is is that what cliff kingsbury is going to do is he going to design runs for kyler murray often kingsbury in the short amount of time that we've seen him with kyler murray actually kind of running plays there's a lot of I, don't, I hate using the term, but there are a few run-pass options. Uh, we saw one on, th- I believe it was Thursday night, in the preseason game where you know, he pulled it and threw it out flat towards uh, Larry Fitzgerald. There's also uh, kind of a variation on that where, uh, and we see it in college a lot, where you know they'll have the mesh point with the running back and the quarterback, and the running back has the option of pulling it and running. And if he gets to the line and he realizes there's nothing for him, he'll kind of toss it out as like a lateral to his receiver. So that's something they've been working on. I know they threw it at at least once during the first preseason game, but it seems like they're going to take advantage of it. But ideally, because he can throw the football so well, he seems that it's going to just be your normal offensive sets with some quarterback runs here and there, especially stuff where you can kind of do like a read option with him. My biggest, at least uh, a piece of advice a lot of times when you're looking at that offense is just kind of think of an offense similar to what has been used with Russell Wilson. Something like that as far as him running the football. But as far as the, the passing game, you know, they're going to spread it out. They're going to have quick speed receivers. That's what they prioritized. So it's it's going to be exciting. Uh, just to get back to receivers now. So you mentioned the, the you know, four wide receiver sets, one running back. Obviously, David Johnson is that one running back most of the time. Who do you think will, if they do run that formation often, who will be out there in those four wide receiver sets? The two, I guess, the closest things you can get to locks on uh, the field would come, as far as receivers are concerned, would be Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. Uh, The next two options, you could kind of have a carousel um, of different players, everything from Andy Isabella, the rookie from uh, UMass, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, the rookie from Fresno State, uh, who has looked very good uh, during training camp, but very inconsistent at the same time. Um, And then, of course, you know, you also have guys like Kevin White there, Farrell Cooper there. Um, so you have a lot of receivers. Like I said, the first two are pretty obvious. Uh, Isabella's had some injury issues recently, so he may or may not be one that's going to be playing a lot during the preseason, but you would think he would be three. Um, so it's really just kind of a, a wait and see what's happening. I mean, the Cardinals were rumored to be possibly signing Michael Crabtree last week, so it's up in the air what they're going to do. There's been... No one really standing out for the most part, um, but we'll see. I mean, right now, it's like I said, it's Fitzgerald, it's Kirk, and I would probably say you're looking at someone like uh, Kevin White and Andy Isabella as your possible four receivers. 
and obviously you don't have the ability to fully predict everything that that's going to happen with them but if you had to guess ryan who would you say is going to be the top target at the end of the season i think right now it would be someone like christian kirk at least that's what was heading on last year i mean he was before he got injured um that's what he was leaving the team with receptions so you would think that he would be kind of that that head guy um, especially in this type of an offense that is so predicated on especially underneath routes guys who can kind of shake free under you know underneath or over the middle and go off for long distance uh, you know some long runs so i would think it would be him uh, christian kirk if you have someone like you know andy isabella or anyone else that kind of pops up from like the rookie group or anything like that they probably be the second or third receiver but it's really difficult to see uh, this offense whether it's great this season or whether it struggles either way it's difficult to see this offense not having christian kirk as their leading receiver oh that's interesting thank you for uh enlightening me on that because i maybe just looking on the outside would have maybe thought larry fitzgerald would have got more love do you think he still has something left in the tank and what do you expect his role to be like this year you know i think he can still play i mean his agreeing to being moved to the inside um under bruce arians a few years ago really kept his career going because to be quite honest, as talented as he's been throughout his career, he was no longer a guy who, would be, who should be playing outside. Um, you know, he was never a big speed merchant guy, but uh, he he kind of lost a lot of the speed that he had. Um, so a lot of it just kind of came down to a lot of toughness and just being smarter than the other guy. So him moving inside really has helped his career. He is a guy where you want to ideally have, I could see him getting like 75, 80 targets this season. You know, that's kind of like his, I would say his baseline. If it's a great season, it'll shoot up. Um, if, you know, bargain injury or anything like that, I see him right around maybe 60, 70 catches this year. Uh, last year was just a really down year for him. But also last year, you could kind of see that he really has kind of lost his step. And it's been a touch-and-go type of process with him deciding if he's going to stay or whether he's going to go. This year seemed to happen really quickly, but I also believe it's a lot of it came down to how bad it was in 2018. So... I can see him playing for another couple of years. He's not going to be that dominant receiver anymore, but he's still a guy who you would throw to when it's third down and you need that two or three yards at the very least. He's not going to, I don't think he's going to get you huge fantasy points, but he's going to be a guy that if you're just a fan of the Cardinals or a fan of just football in general, he's still going to produce fairly well. And I just know that Fitzgerald's a, you know, got a pretty decent frame on him. He's, uh, I mean, certainly bigger than either Kirk or Isabella. Do you see him as maybe being a primary red zone weapon for the team and maybe that being a role to fantasy, at least relevance? That is, I honestly think, where he would be um, probably the most useful is going to be that reliable guy. If you're playing, especially like a PPR league type of thing, you know, he's going to get you at least five or six points a game. You know, he's good for at least three, at least four or five catches a game at the very least. And he's going to be at least over like a 50-yard mark in every every single week pretty much. But as far as you know, him scoring anything more than like 10, 15 points a game, it's it's gonna co- it's gonna be very difficult. I feel because of the fact that um, they're gonna be spreading the ball around. Well, if this offense takes off, it's he's gonna obviously do very well. Uh, he would probably live on the inside. So anytime you're in the red zone, yeah, like you said, he'd probably be that guy that will flex outside to you know become that jump ball you know, kind of player, or even just one of those guys who plays on the inside and just kind of sits in zones. He is still listed as, like, their number, really, like, their number one guy, technically, but we'll see if they keep him outside or if they bring him inside. I mean, that's that's really going to be difficult to tell. 
the next preseason game is probably going to be a lot better indicator uh, as far as what he might be able to bring to the table. But it's it's going to be a, an uphill climb if, if you're looking for him to really contribute big numbers. This year in fantasy, the fact that the Cardinals were so willing and quickly drafted, basically someone who a lot of people see as his replacement in Hakeem Butler in the third, I think it was a third round. Um, you know, that kind of tells you where their head's at right now. Actually, it's funny you mentioned Hakeem Butler probably for the first time. I thought he'd come up maybe a little earlier than this. Now I know uh, in, again, rookie drafts, a lot of times, like I mentioned, Kyler Murray was going first overall. But in in terms of receiver rankings, it seemed like it was all over the place, especially pre-draft. You know, Nikhil Harry, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, even Hakeem Butler, I heard, uh, you know, any of the four of them really were among everyone's number one receivers. It seemed like everyone had a different top receiver. And then post-draft things really uh really shook up there do you expect Hakeem Butler to have a role at all this year is this more of a development looking towards 2020 and 2021 I'll be honest right now it seems like he might be a guy who will get some playing time but I don't think he's going to be starting every week at least you know for the first four or five games of the year and I just say that as far as someone who's hasn't really seen anything in his training camp that stood out as saying oh wow this guy is really you know, he's taking over games or anything like that. You know, there, there's none of that. And coming out of college, his biggest issue was, and very similar to someone like, like DK Metcalf, was he's a big, strong guy. Now, granted, Butler doesn't have the same speed that Metcalf has, but also, you know, he had issues with catching the football. You know, he had issues with drops. He can make some really great acrobatic catches, but sometimes he struggles when the ball just hits him, you know, lets him hit him, hit him in the chest, or he just doesn't have the greatest hands. And that's going to be an issue. Um, because in this type of an offense, it's not so much, well, you know, are you a big, well-built receiver that, you know, can go up and catch the ball? That's great if you can. But the offense, 90% of the time, is going to be focused on just, you know, finding the open zone, you know, spreading out all these defenders and getting open and making the catch because the yards will be there in this type of an offense. So that's going to be his biggest hurdle. Like I said, I don't see him being a big points guy, even someone who's that relevant the first, you know, quarter of the season i could definitely see him towards the last half maybe the last four games of the season coming on and getting more starting time but unless he becomes the third receiver on this team i don't see him becoming you know the first or second receiver anytime the next couple of seasons uh just speaking quickly on receiver yeah we haven't mentioned any tight ends yet is there one guy you think that will stand up or do you think they're going to run a lot of those zero tight end sets more often than not I think as far as what they're going to be running the most, I think, you know, it will be some 11 personnel, that type of thing, where it's one receiver, I mean, one running back, one tight end. Um, right now, the team lists Charles Clay as their first tight end. Um, now, he just came off of the, uh, the pup list, you know, the physically unable to perform list. So he's going to, we're going to see how he can, how much time he can get in the second game of the preseason. Max Williams is also um, on the depth chart. And he's also, you know, he's he slots in at second. And then you have a, oh, and this is the official depth chart here. And it basically shows like Ricky Seals-Jones and, and Caleb Wilson. So you have someone who you thought maybe probably could have been a, a big target here in Ricky Seals-Jones in the simple fact that you had someone who's from, you know, comes from a, a more wide open offense from Texas A&M, you know, a guy who is more of a receiver than he really is a traditional tight end. Um, but so far, none of the tight ends have really separated themselves. It's kind of like the receiver position. No one's really came out and said, this is my job. And, you know, we talked about it just a second ago where 
it remains to be seen how much they're really going to be using the tight end. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they run formations where there is a tight end in, you know, in the, you know, at the end of the line in shotgun. But the biggest thing to know is that I don't think that they're going to really focus on using the tight end unless there's some kind of obvious mismatches against, you know, opposing defenses. They just, there's no one on at the tight end position that really I can say that I would even consider picking in, you know, in a draft. Perhaps no one had a worse off season in terms of, uh, their value than Ricky Seals Jones. I mean, like as you mentioned before draft, before free agency, is looking like okay, he might be uh, someone who could be a candidate to be a top three target on the team. And then suddenly they sign Charles Clay, sign Max Williams, and they draft a bunch of receivers, and really has left his value kind of in the wayside. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I, when the season ended, you know, I, I honestly remember talking about someone like Ricky Seals Jones, saying, okay, you know, he uh, had some time. You know, he had some times that he he really looked like he was gonna be the tight end moving forward and then they signed Charles Clay and immediately it became okay well maybe Charles Clay and he are gonna battle for this top spot and like you said you know they added Williams they added Wilson and all of these guys are very much just you know <laughs> athletic tight ends who can catch the football so you're bringing in more guys who can already do what he does and it becomes a, a matter of okay well you need to prove that you can do it at a higher level and consistently and consistency is something he struggled with ever since he came into this league and you have to kind of wonder you know you have someone like uh, Steve Kime the general manager for the Cardinals you know his job pretty much is on the line here if um, you know with this goes with the success of Cliff Kingsbury so if he's being willing to bring in all these other tight ends and that tells you that the, the offensive coordinator you know, well, the head coach in this in this uh, this instance doesn't feel very comfortable with him out there you know so I don't know, honestly. I can't think of anything specifically that caused the downfall or what we're seeing as the downfall here with uh, with Ricky Seals-Jones, but so far he hasn't proven himself to be worthy of, of that top spot. Are you sure Klein's job's on the line? Because after last year, I'm surprised he, he still has a job. I know you were too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think anyone that, especially uh, anyone with, uh, with full press coverage knows my... Uh, complete frustration with the fact that he was kept while uh, Steve Wilkes was fired. But Kime's job, um, he has basically have at least this season, I'm pretty sure next season, unless this uh, 2019 campaign just completely you know, falls apart worse than it did last year. The only way I can see him getting fired is if something like that happens where they finish 2-14, 3-13, and, um, and, and, the, and the team is just a you know, complete you know, circus. It's a complete joke. That's the only way I can see him going. But at the very least, uh, Cliff Kingsbury is going to get at least two or three years here in Arizona. That's that's probably going to keep Kime in the job. But a lot of Cardinal fans will uh, readily admit that Steve Kime has not done a very good job, and that Steve Kime really is just lucky that um, the you know that uh, Michael Bidwell is just willing to throw out some more money to a. Uh, a young coach who should honestly, you know, someone who probably should have been a coordinator heading into the league, but, you know, is now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, I mentioned that a lot of fans don't like Steve Kime. You know, it happens when you think about, I believe the, the statistic is that since Steve Kime has been the general manager of the Cardinals, which I believe was 20, I want to say 2013 was when he took over. The Cardinals have not re-signed any first round draft. So mm -hmm. that tells you how much he struggled. And, you know, at the receiver position, that's obvious. The offensive line position, that's obvious. Um, so this, you know, he's he's in for it. You know, he's 
got another couple years maybe. So he's fighting for his his job. So that kind of tells you when the chips are down and, you know, you have to kind of go all in here. The fact that he brings in, you know, outside players over what he already has at the tight end position, that, that kind of tells you a lot. So the last player I'd like to touch on is maybe the most important for fantasy purposes, a first-round pick in pretty much every draft now. That's running back David Thompson. Now expecting a return to his 2016 where he had 20 touchdowns. That may be a little uh, too lofty, but do you think he can return to some semblance of his former glory? Oh, definitely. I mean, even if you take a look at last year's David Johnson with the uh, Pop Warner-esque offense that was run by Mike McCoy last year uh, with the Cardinals in that I believe he was only there for half the season, but still that, that half season of Mike McCoy's offense where it was run David Johnson up the middle on first down, run him up on middle and second down, and then you know, maybe try to run him on the outside on third down. And that was basically what David Johnson had for most of 2018. And yet he still, I believe he was nearing a thousand yards rushing. You know, he wasn't as involved in the passing game as you would have hoped. But I think a lot of it was just that offensive scheme, uh, the way that it wasn't necessarily using him in the slot or anything like that. But with this type of an offense, with the weapon he is, as far as someone who can, you know, run the football, obviously, inside or outside, who has the ability to not just, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield, but uh, David Johnson, as far as um, running backs are concerned, I'd put him against anyone as far as route running. You know, guys like Larry Fitzgerald point to him and say, like, look, he can run routes like a wide receiver. You know, he can just also run the football. So you can definitely see him being a guy with 50-plus catches. Now, will I be willing, would I be willing to really go on uh, on the limb there and say he's going to, you know, really be one who's been maybe pushing for a 1,000-yard season rushing? Well, yeah, I would say he's going to be very close to that 1,000 yards, if not over it. Um, if the offense is firing on all cylinders, as much as this is, you know, considered an air raid offense, that running game is still going to help them out. And this is still the NFL where you have to be able to run the football. So he's going to be near his 1,000 yards rushing. I don't see him not hitting 1,000 yards, but I would really pay attention to at least if, especially if you want to draft him after the next couple of, uh, if you haven't already drafted him, obviously, I would suggest really focusing on, you know, getting him in the first round because he's a guy who I honestly believe could be used like a Marshall Falk um, or a Roger Craig, you know, someone who can get you a thousand yards receiving as well as running back. So I honestly think this season he'll have a, a very good year, especially with the fact that you have all this publicity and, and focus um, on that offense because of, of Kyler Murray. So I think he's going to go, you know, 1200, probably 750 receiving. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, about 1200 yards rushing and about seven, 750 yards receiving. So straddling that 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, last year, as you mentioned, it was a a stale offense. And when I say stale, I mean, I'm a Packers fan. I've had to see Mike McCarthy last year. So it <laughs> it looked really bad. And he still managed to finish as, a, I think, a top 10 fantasy running back last year. Surprisingly, yeah. there was, I know there were definitely some a couple of boost weeks where he got multiple touchdowns that kind of lifted the average up a little. But certainly... It, I remember reading a stat. He saw the least amount of percentage of slot snaps, as you mentioned, you alluded to, than he had in either of the other seasons where he played, including the his rookie year where he was kind of a part-time member of the offense at, for at least in the first little bit when Chris Johnson was there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, when he came on the scene, uh, his rookie year, yeah, he pretty much was just kind of splitting time with, with Chris Johnson and kind of took over towards the end when Johnson got hurt. And especially with Bruce Arians as the head coach, you know, the focus – was, you know, yeah, we have Larry Fitzgerald, but we have this, you know, Swiss Army knife in the backfield 
who can catch the football, who can run the football, and not just catch the football, you know, out on swing passes and make someone miss, but I can put him in the slot. I can run him against safeties. You know, he can make his cuts. He's he's a good route runner. Like I said, I challenge you. I'm willing to put him against any running back currently in the league as far as playing the wide receiver position. And so with this offense, you could see that, you know, those targets go up, especially when you have someone behind David Johnson, like Chase Edmonds, who can also run the football. Uh, he's more of a guy who runs outside. He, although he can do his, his damage on the inside, but, you know, he's more of a guy who comes in. He can also catch the ball in the backfield. So don't be surprised if you notice that, a, you know, the second string running back is putting up close to, you know, seven, eight points a week in, you know, in terms of fantasy is concerned because with they're in the game, there is a very good possibility that they are going to be able to, uh, you know, to add points as far as, you know, reception. So someone like David Johnson in this offense, it's, it's exciting to see what he can be used. And like I said, if, if it's going to come down to that offensive line, but with who's there, you know, at quarterback with Kyler Murray, you know, you have that ability in that offense to really put up points, not just, you know, at a receiver position, but actually at the running back. Well, uh, I know for me, I consider David Johnson probably as early as 105, 106, certainly in, in a lot of fantasy drafts. So that's good news. I think a lot of people are kind of targeting him around there. So uh, his, uh, there's a lot of people's fantasy seasons that are resting on his shoulders now. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, last year, you know, the, the, the idea behind everything was, OK, well, they're going to, you know, move the football. You know, they're going to be able to do these things offensively. It's going to be more of like a traditional offense. And then it just became uh, issues with the quarterback position. And because of that, they would load the box and there was no creativity. And when you look at the offenses that Johnson's been in, uh, when he's had successes, obviously that was with Bruce Arians. So you see what Kyler Murray can do as far as being, you know, that dual threat quarterback. And then you see someone like Cliff Kingsbury, what he can do. Uh, Cause if you look at Texas tech tape, you still see a lot of their running backs doing very well. Um, both running the football and, you know, with receptions out of the backfield and out in the slot. So just kind of taking a look at that, you know that David Johnson has those tools. So you just kind of have this. Um, I honestly would put him, when healthy and playing well, you have a guy who is easily a top five running back in the league. And, I mean, that we've been saying that about him for the last, you know, two or three years. So I think this year is really where he's going to shine. I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, over 700 yards receiving. And at that point, you're looking at someone who's making 50 to 70 catches a season. And he's entirely possible. He's, he's that guy who you can, you would hear that and you say, yeah, that makes perfect sense. He's that, he's that type of a player. Um, well, again, as I said, I know I'm, I don't think I have him in any league actually, but uh, certainly as redraft season approaches, I'm definitely not going to be afraid to draft him in, as I mentioned, 105, 106. So and then I may, uh, I may be in need of some some good David Johnson production. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is if, uh, especially if you have uh, some deeper leagues and you can get him early, obviously that would that would be, you know, a major boon there. But, you know, like I said, with David Johnson, he's definitely going to be a guy who puts up at the very least 10 points a game. And I mean, and I mean that as if you're playing, you know, half a point PPR or a full point PPR, he's going to be at the bottom, you know, at the, at the very baseline is going to be his 10 points. So that tells you that, you know, you can really count on him. And if you're ever, if you're in a league that let's say you don't have him, you can't get him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you picked up um, very late or just a, a signing as an undrafted guy, uh, Chase Edmonds, because he's going to get you some points here and there. And he's going to, you know, he's going to get some playing time. 
I think one of the most important things for early running backs, certainly first round running backs, is involvement in the passing game because you don't ever want them to get game scripted out. And I think David Johnson is a three down back who's, you know, as long as he's healthy, should get a workhorse load. Yeah, I mean, he might not be getting more than like 25, 30 carries a game, but he's easily a guy who you can see him between 15 and 25 carries and uh, at least, you know, between five to 10 targets every single game. So he's right up there with 30 touches a game. And that's all you really need for a guy who realistically on the ground averages close to four yards a carry, if not more. And then a guy who in the passing game, you know, will get you, you know, good chunks of yards every time he catches the football. So now I think we've gone through most of the fantasy relevant players. Is there anyone that we haven't mentioned that you think fantasy managers should be aware of? Honestly, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at wide receivers for the Cardinals, and, and let me just preface it by saying David Johnson is really the only one that I would feel comfortable drafting in the first round, um, depending on how deep your leagues are, especially if you're in deeper leagues. And, you know, I made the mistake last year of joining a very deep 16-team league, and I had never been in anything that big before. So it, it kind of threw me off as far as how to draft wide receivers. So the Cardinals have that offense where a guy like Christian Kirk is going to stand out. Even a guy like Larry Fitzgerald is going to be there. So if you happen to have one of those guys late and you just kind of need some bench guys who ideally, you know, you, your bench is going to have players that are starting every week, um, that are putting up big numbers every week, I would really look for those two guys, uh, especially with the way this offense is going. And if you can get them as your backup, because, again, Kyler Murray is great as he may think he's going to be. I don't know if he's going to be a very consistent performer. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily want to use him as that first uh, quarterback that you take, but... I would definitely try to snag him, if you, especially in your dynasty leagues that you were talking about. I mean, he's he's somebody that, honestly, I don't see failing. And I, I'm scared of saying that, but it's someone that it's very difficult to see him failing in this league because of what he can do. So, I mean, honestly, the Cardinals are just one of those teams where there's a handful of players that you want to look at. I mean, the only other thing that I would probably mention to your listeners would be uh, kind of pay attention over the next couple of weeks on the defense because there's a lot of movement on the defensive line right now. Uh, the Cardinals, I think, have cut like three players over the last couple of weeks due to um, varying issues as far as um, I think they just won. Um, Phelan just got cut for some um, aggravated battery charges. So they've had some issues, but that defense looks like it could be a turnover machine. So um, that's something to really keep an eye on when the season gets closer. Excellent. Uh, now, before you leave, do you want to plug anything, your Twitter account, any other work you're doing? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so um, I am on Twitter, Ryan Adverterada. If it's just easier for you to look for, go ahead and follow our um, Full Press Coverage Cardinals Twitter page. That's at FPC underscore Cardinals. Um, obviously, fullpresscoverage.com. Um, you can read my stuff, Kyle's stuff, everything from wrestling to football to baseball to basketball to fantasy. So, um, of course, always go ahead and take a look that, you know, um, there's a lot of great guys who work there who, you know, right with us. So honestly, man, just thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. It's, it's fun to talk football, but not in the traditional sense of, you know, X's and O's for the most part. So this is fun. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And like I said, the purpose of this whole series is to kind of connect the full press coverage family, get us all talking. I mean, I know I've messaged you before, but this is the first time you and I have spoken vo voice to voice at least. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, um, I'm out of here in Arizona, so I, I get a, the Cardinal Stadium uh, is pretty much like 15 minutes away from the house, so um, oh, nice. I get, yeah, I get a, it's it's easy access to to go to the practices and 
to watch the game. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad we uh, got to do this today. And definitely, I mean, sometime during the season, feel free to, to let me know. I'd jump, love to get back on with you guys. Awesome. And I think the feelings mutual. We'd love to have you back. And I'm sure um, my co-host would love to be on with you. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely, man. And this was the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. As Ryan mentioned, you can find all of his work, my work, and a bunch of other work at fullpresscoverage.com or on Twitter at FPCoverage. You can follow this podcast at FPC underscore FantasyPod. Follow both my co-hosts, Alessandro Senator at AM underscore Senator and Dean Williams at FPC Eagles. I'm Kyle Senra at Yama underscore KS. And this was the Full Press Fantasy Podcast.